that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Think of that. Every time somebody gets saved, there's rejoicing up in heaven. I mean, uh, I don't know. Are you ready for that? Rejoicing? You know, we're going to have to give ourselves ready for heaven, you know. I mean, it's going to be a different thing altogether. I don't know, but what there's clapping in the hands and shouting and stomping the feet. I don't know what it is rejoicing, but they're rejoicing in heaven over every sinner that repenteth. That's a lot of rejoicing because there's a lot of people getting saved. Amen? All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, this morning with me to uh, John chapter 14, and we're going to look at just a couple verses there, John chapter 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples just hours before he's going to go to the cross. You know, Jesus had already got his disciples ready for this. He had already told them how he was going to go up to Jerusalem. He told them how he was going to die on the cross. And he told them how he was to be buried. And on the third day, raise again from the dead. The disciples already knew all of this. He had already taught them. Even when he said, let's go up to Jerusalem, Thomas said, well, let's just go up to Jerusalem and die with him. Because he expected, they all expected to die up there. When they went to Jerusalem, you know, it was a, Different atmosphere here than probably what you've ever been in in your entire life. Uh, I've been in five war zones. And there's something about an atmosphere like that that you never forget as long as you live. If you're in one of them, you never forget any of them that you've ever been in. And there was an atmosphere here in Jerusalem. When Jesus got up there, they... People were saying in the streets, we're going to crucify him. There was the the leaders of the temple, the leaders of the Jews, were saying, we've got him this time. We've tried to get him before. We've tried to kill him before, but we've got him this time. Because we bought off one of his disciples with 30 pieces of silver. Judas has betrayed him. One of his disciples is going to help us. We're going to get him. And we're going to kill him. And when we get through killing him, we're going to go out there to Bethany and we're going to kill Lazarus, the guy that Jesus rose from the dead. We're going to kill him too. That's what the leaders in the temple were saying. You know, if you're under a threat of harm that could come to you, it's a different atmosphere. I remember standing uh, in, uh, in Baghdad with the uh, bombs going off in the distance and the uh, machine gun rattling down through the street where we were. And uh, I mean, there's a difference in atmosphere. Down the street comes two American big tanks. And when that guy was shooting that machine gun, they brought those big tanks right down the street and they turned them right toward that building. And they said in a loudspeaker in English, you better come out. 
course, it was translated through some kind of equipment to be Arabic. And as soon as they said that, that guy came out of that building with a machine gun in his hands and surrendered it. You ought to see what they do to a building with those tanks. They go, and there's no more building. It's amazing what they can do with those guns. There's an atmosphere about that. You know what I'm talking about here this morning? I don't know if I'm going to capture your attention on this or not. But there's a, there's a mood in the city. You remember when they blew up the Twin Trade Towers? The mood that was in the city? My wife and I saw it on television and we got ready right away and got our team together and came right downtown Manhattan as quick as we could get down there with bales of tracks to pass out to people. And when I got there, I remember, I remember weeping in the streets. I remember smelling the smoke after we, when we got off the subway on Fulton Avenue. I remember the smelling the smoke, and in that smoke there was burning bodies. <laughs> you never forget something like that. There's a mood about that. There's a mood in that place. I remember in the Philippines going up a, a side road, a little, almost a path up a mountain, and down meeting us comes an army. And they had uh, pickup truck loads of dead boys that had been in a battle. Pickup truck loads of dead soldiers. And on the tanks that were coming down that we went around, there was uh, <laughs> wounded soldiers with bandages around them and blood setting on those tanks. There's a mood about that, you know. I'm saying to myself, I'm going to go preach where they'll come back. And uh, we went up there and preached where they had the battle and we had 200 people saved that night. You see, I'm trying to get your attention on the atmosphere and the mood of this place in John chapter 14. You know, you really don't understand the Bible unless you really get some of these things about the surrounding feeling that was in the hearts of the people. All right, with that in mind, Jesus says to them, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus said to them, Look, don't let any of this trouble you. You believe in God now, just trust me. Just trust me. Verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. You see that in verse 2? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What Jesus was saying to his disciples here, don't let, don't let all this trouble you. And then he says, I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave you here. Wow. Can you imagine the feeling that was in their heart when Jesus said in the midst of... I mean, there was Roman soldiers in the streets with shields and spears and swords. 
There was an uproar in the city. There was a climate there, an emotional climate in that area that these disciples probably had never seen before. And Jesus says to them, I'm going to go away and I'm going to leave you. You see, Jesus had come into this world through a barn door and now he's going to leave it by an old rugged cross. He'd come into this world while the hosts of heaven were saying things like, glory to God in the highest. Now he's going to leave it by screaming people in the streets crying out, crucify him, crucify him. He'd come into this world through a virgin womb and now he's going to leave it through a borrowed tomb. He'd come into this world being fondled by the fingers and in the arms of a, of a, a little Jewish virgin. Now he's going to leave it by being beaten with whips and by fists of the soldiers. He'd come into this world announced out of heaven itself and received by the shepherds. But he's going to leave it now rejected by all the leaders of Israel. He says, I'm going to leave you. Leave us? You can't leave us. Where are we going to turn? What are we going to do? Jesus had already told them. Here in another verse in John chapter 14. That greater works than he had done are they going to do. And they, you mean without you we're going to do greater works? It seems impossible. Peter had already said to him. Where shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Wow. You're going to leave us? Who's going to help us then? What are we going to do with you gone? In the midst of all of these threats, in the midst of all this rejection, in the midst of all of this, you're going to leave us? He said, I'm going to leave you by death on a cross. I'm going to say goodbye. You know, it's a terrible thing to have to say goodbye to your loved ones. Especially at a cavity in the earth they call a grave. By a tombstone where the date of death had not yet been carved. Where your tears fall upon the green carpet and the new dug earth around that grave. It's hard to say goodbye. Jesus is saying goodbye here to his disciples. He said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave you. Wow. Have you ever had a feeling like that? Some, somebody would leave you? It, especially in the midst of trouble. Trouble in the family. Trouble at home. Or trouble with your job. or trouble, And you feel like you're all alone here. You're standing by yourself. This is what the disciples felt, I'm sure. I remember when I was a boy. The old farmhouse where we lived on the side of a hill overlooking the Miami River Valley 
was absolutely a beautiful place to live. That was a home that I remember the most that we lived in was that old river property, as we call it. And that big old house, that old farmer house, there was great big windows. They were narrow but tall in the kitchen. And we were sitting at the table one day when Dad said to Grandma and me, Mom already knew, but said to me and Grandma, I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to go to Zanesville and get a job because there's not enough money to pay the bills here on the farm now. And I thought, Dad's going to leave? Well, I was just a boy. And he said, now, babe, he called me babe. He said, babe, you're going to have to be the man of the house. He said, you take care of mom and grandma. You get the coal in for the coal stove and keep the coal buckets full. You get the cobs in. We, we heated in the kitchen and mom cooked with corn cobs. And said, you get the cobs in and fill the cob box full and keep it there for mom. And you take care of the barnyard. You take care of the animals. You take care of the garden and everything else that we have. You take care of all of it. Because you're, be, you're going to be the man of the house. And I said, oh, me, Dad? You're going to be gone? And I remember sitting in that chair and watching a gold green Dodge truck come down over the hill on the other side of the river. Come down over a hill in the river valley and cross the river bridge and then come up our dusty old road. That old green Dodge truck with cattle racks on it. Because my brother-in-law bought and sold cattle and he'd haul them in that truck. I remember coming down our road and I remember billows of dust behind those dual wheels as they came down and across the creek bridge near our house where the planks on the creek rattled when anybody crossed it and it came and drove up our drive by the great big cottonwood trees by the end of our drive by the road and came up and dad with a box that mom had prepared for him went out of the house and got in the truck we kissed him goodbye with tears and dad started down that rocky lane of ours and then under the cottonwood trees and down that dusty road. I remember the truck would just disappear, seemed like, in the, in the dust of that old, that, that, that old road by our house. And then it went on and went up over the river bridge and then up over the hill and out of sight. That was a feeling I had as a boy there. <coughs> Dad's gone and I'm in charge. I went and got my little rifle and loaded it and put it beside my bed. I tied our little dog on the knob of the back door uh, with a rope. Because if anybody came up there, that little dog would tear up a yard. And I and it would wake me up because I was a light sleeper. I made me a, a club out of a, out of a hoe handle. I was ready to take care of mom and grandma. I really was. I took care of the barnyard and the, and the garden and the, 
It was fall of the year, and I, 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 took care of, I took care of everything at the house. Dad was gone. There's a certain feeling about that. Jesus said, I'm going to go away from you. I'm going, to, I'm going to be away from you. I'm going to let you be in charge. You've got the job to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Just a handful of people, Jesus is telling goodbye. He had had the multitudes that had heard him preach. He had taught them on the Mount of Olives. He'd walked with them down the Roman roads. He'd healed them by the multitudes. But they weren't there, just his faithful inner circle of disciples. And he said, I've got a job for you to do. And I'm going to leave you and let you do it. But he goes on and says this. If I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to get everything ready for you to come. Boy, I think about God preparing us a place. Unbelievable even to think about it. I mean, Jesus, the, the greatest architect, uh, the one who designed all the creatures of the field and, and the stars of heaven and the, uh, the mountains he picked up with his fingers, the, the clouds in the sky, the, the birds in the trees, the, the carpet of green grass in the meadow. He made it all. And uh, on your table this morning, when you were eating your breakfast, there are thousands of kinds of life there that's never been named. Much of it has never been seen. They know it's there, but they've never seen it. He was the one that made it all. He, he designed every little bugaboo and made the eye and, and made the, the legs of every little creature. The most minute little detailed creature he's the one that made the human DNA they said the DNA is so long that if you'd stretch it out and go to the moon and back on one, and one person the Lord designed and made all of that now he's away for 2,000 years he did all of that in 6 days now he's been away 2,000 years preparing us a place boy what heaven is going to be like what he's building up there. I told an old woman dying here recently, when you get to heaven, you're going to be very active. There's a lot of stuff going on up there. They're building New Jerusalem up there right now. They're getting everything ready for us right there. I mean, you talk about mansions. I don't think that's even a proper name for what God's got prepared for them that love him. It's beyond our thoughts of a mansion. Wow. He said, if I go away, I'm going to prepare you a place. I'm going to get ready for you to come. You see, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is going to come back to this earth again. I'm getting ahead of myself here. And take us to that place. I believe that's the next big thing in Bible prophecy. 
And my last point is this, and I'll, I'll just go to it since I'm there anyhow. But he said, but I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. The Bible des- describes the Lord's return. It, there's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be the voice of the archangel cry out. And the Lord is going to come back as he went away in a little cloud right over Jerusalem, over the Mount of Olives. That's the way he left. And the Bible says he's going to come back just the same way he left. And that little cloud is going to descend and the Lord's going to, there's going to be the shout of the archangel and all of us Christians, all of us born again Christians that are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord are going to be caught up together with him in the clouds and we're going to meet our loved ones in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherever the Lord goes from then on, we're going to go with him. He's not going to go anywhere without me. Well, that's a thought to him. Isn't that something? Isn't that a wonderful hope? I have a sermon on the hope. Isn't that a wonderful hope that we have of the future? I mean, you think about all the things that God's got up there. It makes dying a whole lot easier. It makes our hope a whole lot real to us that the Lord is going to come. And when He comes, He's going to get us up and He's going to take us with Him. He's coming back to earth again. There are some people who didn't die of that and doubt it, but not me. That's my hope for the future. No, no, I'm not, I'm not one that likes to think about dying and the grave and all that. A little boy said, Brother Clayton, are you afraid to die? I said, I don't know. I've never done it before. <laughs> the old man said, you know, if I knew where I was going to die, I'd stay away from that place. Amen? Now, I'm not, I'm not fond of dying. I'm not fond of the grave. I'm, I'm not fond of any of that stuff, you know. I don't, I don't know about... Death doesn't hold anything special to me, I'll tell you for sure. But my hope, and I, I may die, I don't know. But I know where I'm going to go if I do die. But, you know, what my hope is that Jesus would come and I'd rob death of its sting. Wow. Jesus said, I'm going to come. And I'm going to take you with me. Where I am, there ye may be also. Wow. I I remember the day when I was sitting at that farmhouse at the table. I wish I could take you to our old farmhouse where I grew up as a boy. It was made out of hand-hewn logs. And... uh, at least the floor and the structure was. It's still there. The old farmhouse is still there. And at that kitchen, over in one corner, Mom had a cob-burning stove. She cooked everything on that stove. And she made a lot of good biscuits for a little boy on the top of that stove. Let me tell you something. Ham and beans. Do you ever have any of that? I feel so sorry for people that haven't had ham, hock, and beans and cornbread. Wow. And Jersey cow butter. 
We had an old Jersey cow, and half of her milk was cream. And uh, I'd take that cream in a jug, and I'd go like that and work it and work it and work it until the stream, the cream started gathering into real dark yellow Jersey cow butter. And boy, that good butter and that good hot biscuit. <laughs> Fried ham and beans and all of those things. You know, a boy never forgets that, you know. Now, men, you can't grow up and tell your wife, hey, that's not like my mama cooked it. I mean, that's like committing suicide in your house. You just don't, you might think that, but you don't say it. You keep that to yourself, man, if you got any sense at all, you know. But, you know, there's no food like what mama made because you grew up on that stuff and you got so used to it that you, uh, you wouldn't want anything else. But when you get married, you've got to take those um, tuna tarts and, uh, and uh, uh, what is it, uh, spinach casseroles. I grew up on beans and cornbread. <laughs> but uh, that big old stove in the kitchen, I wish I could just take you to that kitchen. It wasn't very big. But it was a farmer house kitchen. And I was sitting there at the table and I was looking out that big window down across the meadow toward the creek bridge and toward the river road and the uh, bridge and the hill. One day when I saw a green truck come down out of, out of that, down over that hill. Green Dodge truck. And I batted my eyes because my eyes uh, always played little tricks on me. So I had to bat my eyes and say, is that real? Now, Mom knew that Dad was coming home that day, but we didn't. And down over that hill came that truck and across the river bridge and up that old dusty road, up under the great big old uh, cottonwood trees, up our rocky lane and it pulled up behind our house and dad got out. Boy, when dad got back home, everything seemed to just shift into order. Everything just got in its place. It had been tough for me to try to keep everything going. I mean, I had to mow the yard and I had to take care of the garden. Of course, I did anyhow, but... but uh, just to do that without dad there and his approval uh, was always a kind of a hesitation for me. And now dad's home. Dad got out of the truck and in a sack, guess what? He had something for me. Dad was back home. Mom had made her a new sack dress. Not sacks from Fifth Avenue, <laughs> but a feed sack dress. We used to get our feed in sacks that they could make shirts out of or dresses out of. It was a, uh, some kind of a cotton cloth. Mom had a new dress. Her hair was fixed just like Dad wanted it. And everything on that stove was what Dad liked to eat. She had that stove covered with goodies. Old cob stove, hot, you know, and cooked that food. It was all sitting there waiting for Dad. Dad was home. And everything was right. 
You know, one of these days, the Lord's going to come. He's going to come back. He said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come again. Oh, what a glorious, wonderful reunion that's going to be. We're going to see Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. The only thing that is in heaven made by man are the scars on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to have the scars on his brow and in his side and on his hands and his feet. The scars on his back from the whipping. But he's going to come. This time he's not going to come as the servant that he came to die on the cross. But this time he's going to come as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the, the mighty maker of heaven and earth, the, the bright and glorious one, the, the, uh, the morning star, the rose of Sharon, all those titles that are given to him in the Bible of triumph. He's going to come. And when he comes, we're going to see him. Boy, what a hope we have, amen? What a promise we have. I wish he'd come today. Maybe we could just gather up all of us here together in one big lump sum and just go up together to meet him in the air. See some of our loved ones we haven't seen. Some of you are from some places you haven't seen some of your Christian loved ones in years. You'll see them again. Some of you have seen your mother and dad and and grandma and grandpa and others die and go on before you. The Bible says that when Jesus comes, he's going to bring all of them with him. Oh, what a glad reunion day. Glad day, oh, wonderful day. Glad day, a wonderful day. What a time that's going to be. That's a good old song. I wish I could sing it to you this morning. Wow. They're with Jesus to say, what a glad day. What a glad day. He's coming. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to meet him. I don't have anything down here that I want to hold on to. I don't have any bank accounts that mount anything. I don't have any any various things, antiques or whatever it is that people gather up and keep and store and all that. I don't have any of that. My wife has an antique. It's me. (laughs) One of these days, the Lord's going to come and we're going to say goodbye to all of this junk, all the diseases, all the sorrow, all the problems. And we're going to rise to be with him. He says, I'm going to come again. And if I come again, I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Let's bow our heads in prayer. What a wonderful promise. What a joyous occasion. I want Julia to play that old song, Some Golden Daybreak, Jesus Will Come. What a good old song that is. One of these days he's going to come and we're going to meet him. I'm ready for it now. I wonder how many here today would say, Brother Clayton, if the Lord would come right now, I'd be embarrassed about the life I'm living. 
I wouldn't be ready to meet him. But I, I want to be ready. I want to get everything straightened out. You know, when I was a boy on that farm, I had everything perfect when Dad came home. Because I wanted to be ready. I didn't know when he was coming. But I wanted to be ready. When he came home, he wouldn't be embarrassed about what I'd done. I think there's a lot of Christians need to get their lives ready. Get the weeds out. Get the weeds out of the garden. That's what I used to do. Maybe Christians ought to get the weeds out of their lives. The Lord's going to come. And I wouldn't want Him to come and meet me embarrassed. I wonder how many here tonight or today would say, Brother Clayton, the Lord would come right now. I'd be embarrassed. But I don't want to be embarrassed. I want to get things straightened in my life. So when the Lord comes, I would not be embarrassed. Pray for me, preacher. I'm a Christian. I'm born again Christian, but I, I need to get some things out of my life. Pray for me this morning. Would you slip up your hand? How many in the audience? Way up high so I can see it. God bless you. I wonder how many here today would say, Preacher, if the Lord would come, I wouldn't be ready because I've never been born again. I've never been saved. But I want to be saved, preacher. I want to be born again. I want heaven to be my home. I want God to be my Father and Jesus my Savior. Pray for me this morning, preacher. Would you slip up your hand right there? How many of you? I'd like for us to stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I want us to have have special prayer down here today. And for you that need to come and pray about something in your heart you need to get out, you come this morning and fill up this altar while we pray together. Why don't you just come right now? While I sing this song. Some glorious morning sorrow will cease. Some glorious morning all will be peace. Heartaches all ended. Labor all done. Heaven will open. Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden daybreak, for me, for you. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, <clears throat> some here on our knees before you in your church. Lord, we've come to church today, God's house. We've heard God's preaching from God's Word. And so as we come to thee, Lord, we pour our hearts out to thee as God's children.
And we say, oh God, help us. Help us, Lord, to lay aside the the sin, the weight that so easily besets us. And help us to run with patience the race that is set before us. Bless our hearts and bless our lives, Father. And for those, Lord, that are near and dear to our hearts that's lost, I pray for them today that you'd save them wherever they are right now. And deal with our hearts, Lord. And bless us and help us, Lord. How thankful we are, dear God, that we have this wonderful promise that Jesus is coming again. We believe it's very near, Lord. We pray that you'd bless us in this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number 212 in your songbook. I'd like for you to get that song and sing it together. You may not know it, but it's a great old song. If you're here this morning and you don't know where you'd go if you'd die today, heaven or hell, I'd like for you to slip out and come and talk to the pastor this morning. You can go to a private place where we can tell you the story and you can be saved today. And we'll answer any question you have. We're not afraid of questions around here. We believe we've got the answer in this book. If you'll come to Christ this morning, we believe that you'll get saved. Sing it with me. Some glorious morning sorrow will cease. Some glorious morning all will be peace. Heartaches all ended, labor all done. Heaven will open, Jesus will come. Some golden day break, Jesus will come. Some golden day break, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden day break for me, for you. Let's bow our heads in just a moment together. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you are saved and you know you're saved for sure? Would you slip up your hand? You know that you're born again, that you're saved for sure. Amen. God bless you. That's not every hand raised here today. There's a great number of people that don't know that. And I'm going to do something a little bit different like I did last night. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. If you're here and you're not sure you're saved, I want you to pray this prayer quietly to God this morning, right where you're standing. And I want you to mean it with all your heart. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you this morning. Right where you're standing, I want you to ask the Lord to save you and forgive you of your sins. Just repeat, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I come before you this morning in prayer, asking, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins. 
I repent of my sins. And I ask you to come into my heart and life today and save me. I accept you as my Savior. And I ask you today that you'd forgive me of every one of my sins. Make heaven my home. Guide me and bless me, I pray, in my life, in Jesus' name. Now, my friends, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many of you prayed that prayer with me? Would you slip your hand up? You prayed that prayer this morning. God bless you. Several. You know, I believe with all my heart, if you meant that with all your heart, that Jesus has forgiven you and given you everlasting life. What a wonderful promise that is. Now, before you go home today, I want you to talk to the preacher about this. I want you to tell him your decision today to pray that prayer. And I believe God hears our prayers, don't you? I believe God hears our prayers. Thank God he hears our prayers. We might not be the smartest person on earth or a silver-tongued orator. But in just simple faith, we can talk to God and he'll hear us. Because God loves us. And he cares for us. What a wonderful promise that is. In Jesus' name. Pastor.